Welcome to Building the Bridge, connecting parents and educators around online learning. I'm your host, Dr. Wendy Oliver, Chief Learning Officer for Edison Learning and author of Not Your Mama's Classroom, What You Need to Know as a Parent About Your Child's Digital Education. Each week, this podcast will present targeted, practical strategies for both teachers and parents to ensure we are all on the same page and successfully navigating the digital world together. Thanks for joining me on this journey. And now, please enjoy today's episode. This week, we're going to talk about how to get started with remote or online learning. So many of us were hoping the COVID situation would magically disappear before the new school year began. But it's now back to school season and we're still in the middle of a pandemic and facing the challenges that accompany a pandemic. I want to revisit March of 2020 and clarify that we experienced what I call 911 remote learning. We use the terms remote learning, digital learning, online learning, and virtual learning synonymously. But really, this 911 learning is not what I consider true online learning. It was not even close to the same online learning that I've had so many experiences with over the years. Teachers didn't have time to be trained or prepare for true online instruction. Families didn't have time, nor were they prepared, to shift to 100% online instruction. That's why I call it 911 remote learning. Let's walk through some ways to be prepared for online instruction this school year, because inevitably, whether you're starting off online or not, your school will likely transition to remote learning at some point this school year, and it's better to be prepared than not. The first area that I recommend you focus on when you transition to remote learning is communication. Caregiver and teacher communication are critical in order for online and remote learning to be successful. Initial organization and communication between the two parties can make the entire experience of learning online or remotely more productive and enjoyable. Teachers, consider sending a survey to your students' parents to determine what type of technology they have in the home. Is there a device for every student in the home? Or do three school-age siblings share one Chromebook? If this is the case, then is it really necessary for you to have your office hours from noon to one? Or to do your live lesson from noon to one, for example? What if other children in the home have a live lesson at the exact same time? In this situation, it's going to be critical to be flexible with the hours when the students are working. Imagine if the parent is also using the same computer to do his or her work. Having an understanding of the challenges each household faces will provide empathy for the situation and hopefully lead to finding solutions. One of the benefits of remote or online instruction is that it illustrates that parents or caregivers and teachers really do have to be on the same page in order for learning to be successful and create a good experience for the student. Some online schoolwork can be done on a phone, for example. Speaking from the perspective of a former English teacher, if a student is writing an essay, it's pretty hard to do that on a smart device like your smartphone. I would definitely want you as a parent to communicate to me if that is your only option for access as I would be a lot more lenient with spelling errors. As educators, we can't assume that all families have internet access. This is as much a socioeconomic divide as it is a geographical divide in some areas. There are some people in half million dollar homes in Tennessee, for example, who simply do not have access to home internet. They have beautiful property with rolling hills, but there is no way to get internet to them currently. 
A year without internet would significantly drive a wide gap in the achievement of students. Some districts are providing community hotspots in rural communities where internet service does not exist, while others are printing out materials. But without communication between the caregiver and a teacher, a student's needs may not be met. That's where we really do have to focus on that bridge and connecting for the benefit of the students. Another benefit for students is to create a routine for school when students are learning from home. Children still have a morning routine, just as if they're going to traditional school. They should get dressed, brush their teeth, brush their hair, and eat breakfast. Caregivers also need to determine where to set up their children's workstations. The location to complete schoolwork should consistently be in the same place. For example, if the ideal location for school is at your kitchen table because it's bright, there's plenty of room for books and the computer and there's a plug-in, then go for it. Nobody is going to judge you at this point. We're all in this together. You may not have anywhere to have dinner because there are books everywhere, but that is the best situation for you, then I say have at it. The key is that school takes place in the same location and at the same time every day. This way you have a consistent routine in place. Sure, you're talking to move to the couch for silent reading and get comfy or go outside for recess, but the point is that school doesn't take place in your child's bed online at 2 a.m. where your child is falling asleep and not getting the work completed. Teachers can help establish your routine by scheduling their office hours at consistent times and offering their live lessons at consistent times when students can log in. Trust me, your children are gonna to wanna to stay in their pajamas, you know this. They're gonna to wanna to be on their iPads in their beds. They are not gonna to wanna to treat this like school. The sooner you can get them to realize that they need a consistent routine, the easier this is going to be. You're listening to Building the Bridge, presented by Edison Learning. Stay tuned for more online learning tips and strategies. So now that you know you're learning and how this is happening, it's time to get organized. For parents and caregivers, practice logging in ahead of time with your child. The biggest hurdle, especially for younger children, is getting them logged in. Once you have them logged in, be sure to save or bookmark the links and passwords. Of course, do this after you have successfully logged in. It's better to find out prior to class if a login doesn't work or if a link is broken. This way, your child does not fall behind or doesn't add stress to the teacher on the first day. Can you imagine class being interrupted because 10 students are unable to log in? While there is no guarantee there will not be any hiccups surrounding logging in, practicing ahead of time can alleviate this kind of stress. Speaking of caregivers and logging in, a helpful tool teachers can provide is a quick video or screenshot of how to log in. It's amazing how a visual aid helps when trying something new. Teachers, it's good to have a plan for how the day will flow and not be too ambitious on the first day. A good way to start the day is with a morning meeting where you talk about how the day will flow and the things that you'll be learning about. The morning meeting is also a good opportunity for student engagement. On the first day, you can practice classroom etiquette, like when to press the mute button to avoid background noises and when to unmute to speak in class. A good way to ease into this is by taking attendance. When I call your name, unmute, say here or present, and then go back on mute. After attendance, we can then go around the classroom and say one thing about ourselves, like the kind of food we like that starts with the first letter of our first name. 
So I'll go first. My name is Wendy and I like watermelon. Then the next person gets to say, her name is Wendy and she likes watermelon. My name is Greer and I like granola. I'd say most of you have done this in the classroom before. This teaches students to unmute and mute when appropriate and listen to their classmates. They also get a chance to learn a little bit about each other and to create some social interaction during this critical time when being social is something we all crave. Teaching students how to turn in assignments on the first day is a form of organization that will prove to be invaluable throughout the school year. Before you try to cover any curriculum, do a fun activity to get students used to the technology. It can be something simple like creating a name tag in different colors and fonts. Maybe add a few emojis. The students will enjoy creating something that pertains to them and in turn, you can see who knows how to turn in an assignment. It also gives a little insight about their work pace and creativity on the very first day. Now that students know how to log into sites and turn in assignments, how do they know what to do? This is where your organization as a teacher and as a caregiver is priceless. Teachers, if you can send a schedule and a daily task list for caregivers to share with their children, their days will go so much more smoothly. We want students to work independently. With a task list, they can check off their work as they go. They can work independently outside of live class time and the caregiver can see what the expectations are and see if their child is doing their work. All of these organizational tips can help everybody understand what the expectations are. After all, if the expectations are not clear, they likely will not be met. With all the challenges we're facing on a daily basis, let's not let online learning be one of them. When we make efforts to communicate, establish a routine, and prepare ourselves by being organized, we are setting up our classrooms, students, and caregivers with the tools they need to be successful. Thanks for listening to this episode of Building the Bridge. I hope today's insights and strategies will prove valuable as you support great online learning this week. Be sure to visit edisonlearning.com for many more resources to support high quality 21st century learning, including a comprehensive suite of more than 150 e-courses for grades K through 12 and much, much more. Join me again next week for more tips to connect parents and educators around best practices for online learning. 